Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I apologize. I've been tucked away in my green room and back in the production room because I have, I have been sick and I'm trying to shake this thing. It's one of those cold things and I seem to get this every year. And uh, I, did a, I had to do a funeral Friday at 3 and then go to Greenville and teach for the ministerial internship program for two hours there Friday night. And then Saturday, my body said, okay, that's the way it's going to be. We're shutting down. And I paid for it yesterday. And so i uh, been taking some medicine and, and trusting in the Lord. But I wanted to come feed you today. And then I'm going to go home and crash, try to get better. Ezekiel chapter 37. I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 37. This this is a classic passage, especially for Pentecostal preachers, but for preachers in general. It's one of those passages that sooner or later in life you have to preach this. Now I'm I'm going to I'm going to preach the message to you. I'm not going to read the text to you. I'm going to read the end of the text to help us understand the story that I'll share with you. So I want us to go to verse 11, though we'll, we will be covering from beginning of chapter 37, verse 1. But we're going to read verse 11. Then, then God said to me, son of man, he's talking to Ezekiel, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God. I love when I read that in the Bible. Man, anytime I hear thus says the Lord God, something good's about to happen. Thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves, and I will put my spirit in you. How many like that one? I'll put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Praise God for his word. Be seated today. You've been standing a while. Let me see if I can take you through to understand this today. The prophet Ezekiel had a particular vision from God. And in this vision, I remember it's a vision, it's a spiritual moment. He saw a valley full of dry bones. They were human bones. And the Lord said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel did not answer in the affirmative or the negative. He, he reverted back to the Lord and said, Lord, only you know. And then God said, in essence, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to the Lord that these bones will live again. And so Ezekiel obeyed and preached to a valley of dry bones. Now, I'm not going to do you like an evangelist would if he was preaching this because he would probably tell you he's been in a few dry churches like these bones and had to preach to them. 
I'm glad at high praises I don't preach to a valley of dry bones. Y'all help me out. This place is alive. But Ezekiel preached, what an audience, to a valley of dry bones. And suddenly bones connected to bones. Can you imagine in the vision watching bones moving Nobody's there physically moving, but they're joining. And I almost wanted to say the ankle bone connected to the leg bone and the leg bone connected to the hip bone. But you got, you got the point. And suddenly, instead of disjointed bones, there were skeletons all over the valley. And as Ezekiel kept preaching, sinews and flesh, muscles and ligaments came Tissue came onto each of the skeletons, and there were facial features. And suddenly, the valley of dry bones became a valley of corpses. And then God spoke to Ezekiel again. Remember, it's a vision. And he said, I want you to preach again, but I want you to prophesy to the four winds. And so Ezekiel did. He started preaching to the winds. And when he did so, the breath of God blew and entered into each corpse, much like when God breathed into Adam, into his nostrils, the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. The bones, who are now corpses, now became living beings, and they stood up, and this is interesting, an exceedingly great army is what Ezekiel said. So the, the vision is that it must have been an army that was defeated in battle, utterly defeated. Everyone was defeated. There's nothing less left but corpses that decayed over time, and now there was just bones. But God took from the defeat and the worst situation of decay, y'all with me? And when he spoke and breathed, this is the nutshell of my sermon, there was a reversal of what had happened and things moved in the opposite direction and the army was restored back to life, a mighty powerful force. How many of you know that's the God we serve? See, when you think it's over, God says it ain't over till I say it's over. When you think it's over, God says I'm only, I've only just begun. Now, if I preach this message correctly, I must give you the primary application of this message. Pentecostal preachers have been bad to jump straight to the secondary application, but I want to preach the primary application. I want us to be understanding today. The principal application of this vision applies to the people of Israel. If you know the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament, they reached a point where they became corrupt and sinful, and turned their backs on God. As a matter of fact, they became more corrupt than the pagan nations surrounding them. So God sent Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army, and they utterly defeated the nation of Israel, took all their cities, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, tore down all the stones of the wall, and then tore down the temple to, to the ground, raised it to the ground, and there was nothing, and took the people, the vast majority of the people, into captivity into Babylon. There was only a handful left in the land of Israel. In essence, the mighty army of Israel was defeated and scattered like dry bones. The nation did not exist. It was dead. 
Now, some of you are wondering, Pastor, are you going to apply this to what's happening right now? I could in the news. I could because in 1948, 1917, 1948, with the Balfour Declaration, the United Nations announced that there would be a Jewish state, and there was an understanding that that land always belonged to the children of Israel. It's their land. It's not just in the Bible, but historically it's their land. Okay? What about the Palestinians? Something needs to be done for the Palestinians too. But the problem is you've got terrorist organizations within the Palestinians called Hamas and Hezbollah who don't want peace. They want war. But there are Palestinians that do want peace. There are Israelis. They wish they had peace. They just want to exist. And that's why there's a fight going on right now. Okay, how's that for application? I'm reading a book right now by Noah Tishby about the true story of the land of Israel. It's an interesting book. And she's a liberal, she's a secular, a secular person, and she's an Israeli. But she's telling the story. She's not a spiritual person at all. It's not a spiritual book, but it's very interesting to read. There's so much disinformation in the news, you need to go read and find out the facts. If not, everybody thinks the Israelis are a bad people. And they're not. So anyway, I'll leave that alone. How did I get off on that? Seventy years, Israel stayed in Babylonian captivity, a defeated nation, a dead nation. But God, true to his word, moved on a Persian king who decreed that the Jews could go back to their land. By the way, did you notice even that far back, royalty, national leaders, World leaders were recognizing it's their land. Oh, you ain't going to help me, but that's all right. You're listening. And so through people like Nehemiah and Ezra, they went back to, is, to the land of Israel, to Canaan, and they rebuilt the temple, and they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, and the people came back in. And by the way, the 70 years of Babylonian captivity cured Israel of its paganism and idolatry. And, and so how many of you know when God gives you a spanking, if you'll just cooperate, it'll straighten you out. Because he whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth. And down south, we would change that verse to say, he whom the Lord loves, he whoops. And I got a few whoopings when I was a kid. How about you? So nationally and spiritually, the nation of Israel was resurrected and came alive again. Do you see the application of the vision? Now, if we stop right there, we've had a good history lesson with a little bit of application to something that's happening in our modern times, and I could dismiss you and we could all go home. And I'm going to go home, crawl in my recliner, and not move. But that's not fair because... Paul wrote in Corinthians that the things written in the Old Testament were written for our benefit. So while not all of the laws and regulations apply anymore, thank God, the stories and the principles there can speak to us. And I think there are principles within the vision that Ezekiel had that we can extract some tremendous things that could help some people today because I've come to this pulpit even though I'm under the weather with a burden, that there are people here this morning 
that you are in a terrible place spiritually and you are merely existing. And if the reality was spoken, you feel dead and dry and, and, and your spiritual life right now is horrible. I'm hoping that by the end of this message today as the word of God goes forth which will not return void. That something you hear from the powerful word of God will spark breath and life into you as the Holy Spirit restores what you think is lost. Can the church say amen? I think that vision can represent the condition that some people find themselves in spiritually. And you can find yourself in a dry place. God never promised Christians sunshine and roses every day. Let me take the vision and make it applicable to what you could experience. You can find yourself in a valley. Because a valley is a low place. And I've reached some low points in my life. How about you? You can experience a crisis that knocks the wind out of you, making you feel utterly defeated. Been there, done that. You can be spiritually dry and feel absolutely nothing in the spirit. That's a terrible place to be. You can have a circumstance that is so bad that you feel like you are being torn apart on the inside. You can be so desperate spiritually that you have no hope. You can reach a place where you've lost your faith. Now, I'm talking to believers today. You can reach a place where you don't even see a future anymore with you and God. I know you're hanging on, that you're saved, but as far as your relationship with God right now, it feels like it's dead. You wonder if God has forgotten about you. You wonder if God has forsaken you. And metaphorically and spiritually, you may be asking yourself, like God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live again? My answer is, without the help of God, no. But by the Spirit of God, yes. I want to tell somebody today, God knows where you are. God knows what you are going through. God knows the dryness of your spirit. God knows your desperation. God is aware of your doubts. God knows the questions you're asking. God is keenly cognizant of how low you feel right now. God knows you've been there a while. God knows that you are wondering, where is he? But I'm coming to this place on this platform to tell you, please hear me, he's right where he's always been. He's right by your side. He's right inside of you. He dwells in your heart by faith. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He said he'll ever, always be an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Just like Ezekiel, you just need a little faith. That's where you're struggling. You're struggling with your faith. You need to believe that God is going to work in you and God is going to work for you. And so this means you need to get your eyes on God. You've got your eyes on Facebook. You've got your eyes on work. You've got your eyes on other things. But you need to get your eyes back on God. 
You need to carve out some time in your day for God. You're making time for everybody else and everything else, and sometimes you feel like everybody else is wearing you out, but somehow you've got to just tell everybody no. And car- if you've got to get up a little earlier or stay up a little bit later, put the stinking phone down, turn the computer off, put your iPad away, and get alone with God. You've got to get your eyes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. See him, see him for who he is, see him for what he can do. These are the things that I want you to be able to say because this is what you're going to have to do. God, if there will be life again, you'll have to give it. If there will be hope again, you'll have to revive it. If there is a future for me, God, you'll have to speak it. If I'm going to move from this valley to the back to the mountaintop, you'll have to take me there. If I'm going to be set free from this spiritual bondage I find myself in, I can't even sing. I can't even praise anymore. I even have trouble praying, God, you'll have to liberate me. If I'm going to move from my pessimism back to spiritual optimism, you'll have to raise me. This is what you're going to have to say, God, I need your touch. God, I need your power. God, I need your strength. God, I need your renewal. God, I need a revival. God, I need your anointing. God, I need your wisdom. God, I need you. Sometimes you just have to talk to God and say, God, I need you. Defeatism is not the answer. Making excuses and just moving on to the next day and then to the next day and then the next day is not the answer. You've got to address the issue and have a little talk with Jesus. And tell him all about your trouble. The old song says he'll hear your faintest cry and he will answer you by and by. I don't think you can discount the importance. There are two things, so let me just stress these. The importance of prophecy in Ezekiel's story. <clears throat> prophecy is not preaching, but it is a proclamation. The Spirit of the Lord moves upon a man or woman of God and gives them specific words to speak. It is a repeating of what God gives you. And so when Ezekiel prophesied, he was giving to the winds and to the bones what God was giving him, what thus says God. You you repeat what God has already said. So the fundamental truth for us in this story is simply this. You need to focus on what God has already said about you and what God is saying about you and your circumstances. Because Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. There is power in the word of God. It is not a history book. It is not a textbook. It is not Reader's Digest. It is not an e-book that you have got on Kindle that you bought on Amazon so that you could read for your pleasure. It contains the word of God. And the word of God is living because God is living. And because what God says has inherent life and power. That's why the Bible never gets old. You pick it up and read it, and when you think you've read it all, you'll say, I never saw that. Oh, that's speaking to me right now. 
Ezekiel repeated to the bones and the wind what God told him. He spoke to his circumstances, the word of the Lord. And I just want to bring that to you, that principle, because things can be so bad that it's you, that you don't feel God. You can't focus when you read the Bible. Preaching is not giving you the breakthrough. You're coming to church and it's nothing. That's when you have to speak to your circumstance. And you have to say, I don't feel God, but I know I'm saved. I don't feel God, but I've confessed my sins. I don't know what's going on, but I trust God and I'm not turning around. I don't know what else to do, God, but you're stuck with me and I'm going to stay with you no matter how I feel. You speak to your circumstances. You say to God, you promised me you'd never leave me, forsake me. You promised me, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. You promised me that there would be times of refreshing that would come from the Lord. You promised me that my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth who is in you, who is from God, that will never depart from me. See, that's truth. And you speak it. And that's how you get the breakthrough. We go on feelings or lack of them way too much, y'all. You're going to have to grow up. Oh, when I get sick, my wife says I get testy. She says, honey, you need to be careful. (laughs) But you need to grow up. You need to grow up. Grow up, mature, and say, I know, I know what I'm going through, but that's not reality. Because what thus says the Lord is reality. You don't have to feel spiritual to do that. That's the point. You don't feel spiritual. I was not going to bring this into my sermon, but I preached a funeral Friday of one of our dear, precious saints, Andrea Owens. And I was told by a family member a story about her that I shared in the funeral because I thought it was worthy. And it testified to her spirit and her character. It exemplified her life as a godly woman. She had a point in her life where she didn't feel God. I already had this sermon ready when I found this out. And I thought, I'm going to preach this. I'm going to, that woman's in heaven right now, but I'm going, to, I'm going to use what she went through to help some of you. She didn't feel God. She prayed nothing. Nothing. Now, Pentecostals, it's worse for us because we're used to it. I'm used to the presence. I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to put aspersion on, on, on non-Pentecostals. Don't get me wrong. But they will tell you they have a different mentality. Some of them do about this. You know, they're saved. They just kind of go through it. It's theological. It's academic. It's educational. Sometimes it's intellectual. I'm not saying they're not spiritual, but for a lot of them it is. But it's not for us. It's experiential for us. That's part of being a charismatic. It's experiential. If it's not, it ought to be. And so when you're used to feeling the presence of God and the goosebumps and the tingles and then you don't, 
Man, that's like identity theft. That's like somebody stealing all your money. You get desperate. David was like this. David backslid and then repented, and his biggest cry is, God, please don't take the Holy Spirit away from me permanently. Please let me have the Holy Spirit again. You read it. It's in the Psalms. And this godly woman told God in an act of faith, God, I prayed. I don't know why nothing's happening, why nothing's changing, but Lord, here's, what, here's how it is, God. If I don't ever feel your presence again, I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to live for you. If I don't ever feel you again to the day I die, there is no option for me. I'm going to live for Jesus. Even if you don't take me to heaven, I'm still going to live for you. Now that is faith. That's faith that says my relationship with the Lord is not built on what he does for me or how good he makes me feel. It's, it's based on my love and commitment and loyalty to the one who went to the cross and paid the price and redeemed me from the slave market of sin and I owe him everything. I'm gonna live for him regardless. That's mature faith. That's mature faith. Spray this microphone with Lysol when we're done. There is power in the word of God. Sometimes you just have to start repeating what thus says the Lord and say, but this is, I know I don't feel anything. I know this doesn't apply to me. It seems like, but this is what you said, God. Do you remind God what he said? Because his word has power. He created everything out of nothing through his word. He parted the waters of the Red Sea through his word. He raised the dead through his word. And when you speak his truth to him and to yourself and to your situation, you speak what God tells you, things can change. I don't know how much this story fits, but I felt like telling it. There was a missionary who went to a foreign field where there were villages that practiced the black arts, Satanism, had a witch doctor. He was the head guy over the whole village. And this guy went in wanting to preach the gospel to this village and was told by the witch doctor, you're not welcome here, don't you preach here. And he said, but I'm gonna preach Jesus. He said, okay. The witch doctor said, tell you what, we're gonna build a platform you and I are going to get on this platform and I'm going to pit my power against your power, my God against your God. So they built a platform and the whole village came out. True story. The witch doctor got on the stage and the missionary got on the stage and the witch doctor said, I'll go first. And he laid on the floor on his back and started doing his incantations and chants and his eyes rolled back up in his head and the demonic powers began to work and yes, that cat levitated off the floor about that high. Levitated. The missionary looked at that and said, well, started off the stage and said, I can't match that. He got about to the edge and God spoke and said, where do you think you're going? He said, God, I can't do that. God said, I didn't tell you to do that. Did I ever put in my word to levitate? He, he said, no. But didn't I tell you to take authority over the devil? Yes. Then go over there and put him down. 
put him down, God said, go put him down in front of everybody. So the missionary walked back over, and the dude's laying there doing his incantation, levitated, and the missionary took his leg and went, boom, and put him down. And when he did, the entire village went, And the missionary said, now what? He said, take authority over the devil and cast the demon out of him. And the missionary said, devil, in the name of Jesus, come out of this man right now. God said, you have to come out. Come out. And immediately that demon came out of that witch doctor because of the word of the Lord. Oh, it gets better. He got his foot off of him and raised him up and said, Sir, let me tell you about Jesus. There was a man who was the son of God who came to this earth and died on a cross for your sins. You're under the power of the devil. You're in deep sin and you know it. But Jesus can set you free and can make you a good man and change your life. And he preached the gospel to him. And standing right there on the stage, the witch doctor prayed the sinner's prayer and gave his life to Jesus and said, Now preach that to the people of the village. And he preached it to the village and the whole village got saved. I'm telling you, you got to speak the word of the Lord to your situation. Some of you, it's a reverse and the devil's got his foot on you, but you need to tell the devil to back off, Jack. I'm coming up out of this thing in the name of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Cannot discount The prophecy, the power of the word in this story. You cannot discount the importance of the breath of God in this story. The valley of bones became a valley of corpses. Things look better organized together, but a corpse is still a corpse no matter how good it looks. It needs one thing. It needs life. Now listen to me, you can have it all together in your marriage and you can have it all together in your family. You can have it all together at your job. You can have it all together in your career. You can have it all together in your health. You can have it all together in your finances. You can have it all together in your investments. You can have it all together in everything else and not have it all together spiritually and you're gonna be miserable because all that other stuff is just stuff and if it ain't right in here none of the rest of that matters oh pastor you're edgy today I'm sick leave me alone I love you the church can have it together Relative to pastors and leaders and members and organization and facilities and money and music and media and more. But you nor your church is really alive and well until you know and experience the life-giving force of the Holy Spirit. So simple preaching today, but it's the kind that will set you free. Some of you feel dry and dead. I just came here today to tell you one breath of God on you and you will come back to life. Just one breath. You don't have to work hard at this. All you got to do is lean on the Lord and depend on him and cry out and say, God, I'm desperate. Breathe on me. And God will do it. The disciples were almost lifeless 
after Jesus' death on the cross. They shut themselves away in a room. Does that sound familiar? Sound familiar? When you start feeling dead and dry, don't feel God, you start shutting yourself away from church. You shut yourself away from family members. You shut yourself away from everybody. That's, that's a human reaction. They shut themselves off. They lived in fear. They lived in anxiety. They were taking Xanax. They were taking all kinds of pills. No, they didn't. They didn't have that back then. But they were worried. They were upset. They were waiting any moment for the worst to happen, for the Roman soldiers to come bursting through the doors and arrest them and go crucify them. They were all looking for the worst, not expecting the best. If you're saying, Pastor, I've never been there. I don't know what you're talking about today. You just keep living. You just keep living. It'll, it'll happen. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Better pay attention to the teacher. Take notes. There will be a test sometime in your life. They were pessimistic. They were negative. Thomas' faith had been replaced with incredible doubt. The presence of Jesus was gone. Get it? I don't feel his presence. He's not here anymore. Get it? But then Jesus showed up. And he will show up. He will show up. And when he did, the Bible says he breathed on them. Make sure you really spray it with life's on now. <laughs> and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Spirit of God. You want me, who hold on, but how you get me is through the Spirit of me. If you want me, You'll feel me through the spirit of me. You'll experience me through my spirit. My spirit will speak to you. My spirit will touch you. My spirit will give you life. My spirit will give you purpose. My spirit will make you feel secure and safe and assured. My spirit. He breathed on them. Ascended to heaven and said, go to Jerusalem. And tarry there until you are clothed with Holy Ghost power. And they went and they prayed for seven to ten days. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place with one accord. When suddenly, because see, that's how it works. You're just grinding. You're just trying to pray. You're not feeling anything, but you're trying to believe. The preacher said, if I just pray, God will breathe on me. Don't give up. Just keep praying and crying out to God. Don't give in. They kept praying. They kept waiting. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They heard the breath of God. I feel him this morning. And there appeared to them fire and it fell on them and they were all filled with the life breath 
of God because spirit in the Bible in Greek is pneuma, which means wind or breath or spirit. And the breath of God, the wind of God, the spirit of God, the third person, came into them in power. And the scared, negative, pessimistic people are now bold, fired up, got their zeal back, ready to worship, ready to preach, ready to do ministry, ready to do things for God, and they turn the world upside down. And where you see yourself right now that you think you're hopeless and you're always going to be this way and spiritually dead, I came here today to tell you that is a lie from the pits of hell. One breath of God will bring you back and take you into a place of relationship with God and even ministry that you did not think possible. The devil wants you to stay lifeless and bound up. He's told you lies. He's filled your mind with confusing thoughts. You want to experience a move of God. You don't know what to do, but I want to remind you today the devil is not in control of your life. Jesus is still the Lord of your life. You just got to reach out and pray to him, and he'll touch you. I have one more story. Hurry up, musicians, come. I went back to the Old Testament story in the book of Judges of Samson. Samson felt the move of God, experienced the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord would move upon him. He would break off the gates of a city and kill enemy soldiers and, and just do these incredible things. But he was compromising with God. That's a whole different thing. But he kept compromising with sin until finally one day he compromised too far. And the Bible says that he did not realize the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Now, that's a whole different story. Sometimes the Spirit, you don't feel him, but you're trying to live for God. Other times you don't feel him because you're not trying to live for God anymore. That's a whole nother preaching. And he shook himself and thought the Spirit of God would move on him when the Philistines jumped him, but the Spirit of God had left him. No more supernatural strength. And they bound him and they punched out his eyes and they took him to a mill and they cut his hair was all cut off. And they put him in a grist mill and he was grinding. He was blind. He lost his ministry. He lost his sight. He lost his relationship with God. He lost his ministry or position as a judge of Israel. He lost so much. Don't you think Samson thought it's over? It's over. And I've preached this before. One of my favorite sermons I preach. When I go off to preach, I love to preach this. But the Bible says this. It's interesting. It's in the Bible. It doesn't have to say this, but it says the Bible says his hair began to grow again. And that sentence in the Bible is a message of hope and restoration. What you think you've been, that's been cut off from you and lost, I'm here to tell you God can give it back and more. And his hair began to grow again. And they took him to that temple, tied him up. And this is what he prayed. He's blind. It's, it's all the Philistine leaders. These are his, the arch enemies of Israel. Sound familiar? Want to destroy them? Want to wipe them out? Sound familiar? And their, and their champion is there defeated. But he prayed, Lord, remember me. And in essence, touch me one more time. What a sad story it had been if it never would have happened and he would have gone off into history and biblical history as the defeated judge 
who died in loss. But that's not the story. He had humbled himself and got desperate. See, sometimes you take for granted what you've had all those years. Man, am I preaching today. We take it for granted. You take your church for granted. You take the spirit of God what's here. Oh, I'll come when I want to. It'll always be there. It'll always be like this. You take it for granted. My wife's I don't think she made a, she's sick. She's probably home saying, oh God, help him to hurry up and quit. Oh, help him, Jesus, help him, Jesus, help him, Jesus. I can hear Leah right now interceding. God heard that humble man who was desperate. And the spirit of the Lord came on him one more time. God hadn't forgot about him. Woo! God hadn't forgot about you. God hasn't forgotten about you. God hadn't forgotten about him and the spirit of the Lord came on him and he pulled those pillars and that temple collapsed and he killed more Philistines in that one moment than he had in his entire life. See, it's a terrible, it's a terrible analogy because it's about fighting and killing enemies. It's horrible, isn't it? It's not about doing senior adult ministry. It's not about doing children's ministry. That's so wonderful. It's about killing Philistines. His ministry was killing Philistines. But you know what? As crazy as that sounds, God restored him and he did more after the restoration than he had done previously. I'm just telling you today, you think God's through with you, God's not through with you. You think God's finished with you, that's a lie of hell. God's not finished with you. God wants to breathe on you and touch you today if you'll just humble yourself and cry out to him. Stand to your feet in this house. Get to this altar as quick as you can. As quick as you can, get to this altar. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.